stressing about your current situation, your job, your personal life, your mental health? Well, everything changes and so do you. Why don't you jump into this episode and find out how? Hey there, I'm Ishani Nigam and you have tuned into my first step ever podcast. I realized life's too short to postpone your dreams and too long to live someone else's. So after failing thousand times, I'm finally on a journey to fulfill my dreams of impacting people's life through what I do the best, entertain and educate through podcasting, digital content creation and thought leadership. On this podcast, I uncover stories that help you see why you must do what you want in life, build conviction to follow them and how to build systems to sustain them. And if you are an entrepreneur or a brand seeking exactly the same, then I'm up for a chat on my Instagram handle, which is at my first step ever underscore in. But for now, if you want to achieve your goals and build never failing systems, then what are you waiting for? Let's get started. Welcome on my first step ever. It is so interesting to meet people who have carved a life of their own. And today I'm so excited to be inviting someone who I can say has definitely taken his work seriously, but not himself. And I think that is an amazing mantra to live by. To all the youngsters, to all the adults who are listening to us today, I know you have a lot of doubts in your mind, which is all okay. And I want to tell you, do not take yourself too seriously, but your work for sure. Things can change in life in many ways, and so can your career. So, but why am I saying all these things to you? Because we have a guest speaker who has gone through somewhat a similar story, but very interesting. And let's dive in straight. Let me and join me welcoming Alex Morris all the way from Sydney, Australia. Hi, Alex. Hello, Ashani. What a beautiful intro. That was so fun. Thank you so much. That's a, definitely a vibe that I got uh, you know, from you when I was like reading about you. I, I was looking up about you and your life. And it just gave me a hope and something very interesting to share with our listeners. So I'm extremely excited to have you. And before we move forward, I like our listeners to know a bit more about you. So Alex is a dad of two, which is, he has twins. So congratulations. I think there must be a handful. And he's from Sydney, Australia. He's the founder of The Moon Digital, a digital marketing agency, which is focusing on lead generation for coaches and consultants, which is very interesting because I think he's found his niche. And that's also a very good, uh, you know, understanding of how a person can build focus. So pretty much more than that, before he became the person that he is leading, he's also he also runs a podcast, which is also very interesting. And he talks everything about business, coaching, and marketing. But before this, he was a coach for good 10 years. And now he's helping coaches and consultants from different areas of life to generate lead to actually help them get more money and more clients and in a very beautiful way. So let's start with my first question, Alex. 
everything keeping aside let's go to the time when you were just growing up you were a child and let's say maybe your teen i mean that's not being a child but yeah <laughs> you were a teen how was your mindset back then and what was your you know uh, environment at that point in time it's a lovely question and it's one i, I quite like talking about it to be honest because i and i'll start now and go back right in the coaching space i've been in for a long time so many people get into the coaching industry and go into personal development because they've had a really tough journey a tough upbringing and so i go to all these seminars you know and and coaching courses and stuff over the past sort of you know seven, seven or eight, ten years where people you know when when we talk about money mindset or you know childhood people had all these stories like they were always broke as kids or they were always you know abused that sort of thing for me i grew up with a really successful dad private schools big house lots of holidays scholarships to some of the best schools you know academic scholarships to some of the best schools in in nottingham in england which is where i first grew up and then in in sydney scholarship to uh sydney university all academic my money memories you know as a kid are like having an enormous house my dad putting on a professional fireworks display when i graduated from primary school renting a plane to fly his mates over to Czechoslovakia for his 40th birthday and okay. so i grew up, i grew up very 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 comfortable all right and so not spoiled but very comfortable and looking back we had a beautiful beautiful life growing up my mindset uh always energetic and i i appreciate you saying i don't take myself too seriously because i try not to and i think that is i'm quite a you know easy going dude but in high school there was a lot of expectation on me and the people around me due to the environment we were in private schools lots of money you go to university become a lawyer become a doctor you know the the standard the standard expectations of private schools and i really struggled my whole childhood with being very academically gifted and not caring about my academic studies at all it just wasn't for me it wasn't for me um i my dad was an entrepreneur uh, my dad started businesses and sold businesses and real estate and i think i got that bug and i just could not care less about my academics so i always did really well but i was always told you should be doing better you should be working harder you should be trying harder you should go to uni so when i left um so during high school i was a punk rocker i uh was a, a punk band i was a skateboarder wow. i had my nose pierced i had i'd wear leopard print skinny jeans i would shop at the girls stores wear fingernail polish i would um <laughs> interesting yeah yeah 100% my friends and i we were all you know on the weekends we were all skateboarding and playing gigs and you know, smoking lots of illicit substances and um drinking a lot and really just i guess some rebelling against the structured high pressure upbringing we were in because it's very you know and uh looking back i'm glad i've got no regrets but looking back i definitely did not take up all the opportunities i was given hope my parents uh so so now i really really hope my parents are proud of what i've done because they made sacrifices to send my sister and i to these schools give us these opportunities i didn't take them at all i went to university for 6 weeks and quit and and so um i think i was probably a very frustrating 
teenager, <laughs> but uh, I wasn't cool. I had a tight group of friends. We enjoyed ourselves, but yeah, I think overall, I was a very frustrating kid to be around. Well, I'm surprised to hear that. <laughs> and actually, I'm happily surprised that, uh, you know, that we could have a different kind of a childhood that we could discuss here because, yes, in most of the cases, it has been really tough for a lot of people. And because of that, they have a motivation to come out of it and do the best for themselves. Looking at your life, even though I think you had a lot of comfort, as you mentioned, you had a different sort of pressure to yourself, mm -hmm. which is to always be the best. And I think the best was never enough in, in your dictionary or maybe the kind of people that you've surrounded because they were so good in what they were doing. And I'm happy that we're discussing this because people who are listening to us, they can understand that whichever situation or background or childhood that you come from, all of us are bound to face some insecurities, some sort of imposter syndrome or some sort of pressure. It could be in any circumstance. So there is no A way a way that a person is brought up that, you know, the life is all about uh, all good and colorful. It is always from the very beginning, understanding yourself, your situations and challenges and growing with them. I think what is very beautiful in your um, story that you mentioned, Alex, is that you st still appreciated what your parents did for you, even though, you know, you're coming from a background where you had everything, but you did realize the importance of what you have. Even though you felt bad that, you know, you were academically really good and your parents had that hope that you could do well, but that's something that you did not want to. But I think in hindsight, I feel that it's good that somewhere you listen to yourself because when you do that, you understand yourself even better that whether you did something right or wrong. But that's just my lookout. I mean, that's my <laughs> perspective. But from moving on from there, I mean, you were a chef. You were cooking some really yummy food. How did that happen for you? You're really, you're a really, really well researched and very talented interviewer, Shani. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. This is a real, real pleasure, by the way. Just, I don't know if anyone tells you that this is the best podcast I've done by far, and we're wow. nine minutes in. So thank you so much. Always enjoyed cooking. Very lucky that my mom was a good cook and got us involved in it during the. Uh, during our childhood years. And so it's just something I like to do. When I went through school in Australia, the Australian high school, a lot of times what you can do is around year 10. So when you're about 15 years old, you're allowed to, if you want to, you can quit school and get a trade, mm -hmm. you know, become a plumber, electrician or a chef because you, you study being a chef at TAFE. Uh, my school didn't offer that because you had to go to university, finish your exams and, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. So I, I didn't even think about it. And I went through my, my exams and uh, did really well despite not studying. I came like really high up in the state and got like a medal and, you know, wow. highest marks and everything, and, which, and which <laughs> to the you masses. You were really intelligent. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm, good at, I'm really good at writing, terrible with numbers and science and that sort of thing, but the creative things, writing and history and English. I picked my subjects well, right? So maths, I scraped through in maths. Uh, everything else brought me over the, over the line, you know? So, um, but that's not what this is about. What this is about is I, uh, I finished school 
and everyone was saying which university you get to apply to and you're going to have like five universities ready to go first choice second choice third choice and i had none i was like i'm not going i, I just i don't care i don't want to go and then it got to like february when all my friends were going to uni and i was like i've got nothing to do i've just been drinking for like you know since november <laughs> and and so i was like oh i'll go to uni and i hadn't applied and there's a long waiting list at sydney uni but I knew a guy who knew a guy and I said, you know, these are my marks from high school. Can I come to Sydney? And he's like, yeah, come on in. We'd, we'd love to have you. And they, I got some kind of discount. Like, it's really painful looking back at like how many people moved, you know, moved things to get me in and to help me out academically. And I just threw it in their faces. And I, I know that. But either way, I went to uni for about six weeks and thought it was absolute nonsense. I, I was like, I'm, I'm here not because uni is nonsense, but for me, it didn't fit. Yeah. I was just wasting my time and everyone else's time. So I had a friend who had left school and he was an apprentice chef in a very fancy restaurant. And I was like, he's getting paid to learn, doing something that I love to do. I'm just skipping class every day and smoking, you know, at the, at the uni bar. Like, what a waste of time. He's actually learning and getting paid for it. So I was like, I'm out of here. Had the conversation with my parents, which I think wasn't a massive conversation because it was probably quite obvious I wasn't into it. And I started applying for chef apprenticeships. And my first chef apprenticeship was actually in the kitchens of a hospital. I, I live not, not close to the city. All the best restaurants are in the city of Sydney. And I was like an hour out of city. So I got a job in the kitchens of this, what were they, Seventh-day Adventist hospital. So that's like a, a branch of Christianity. They're all vegetarian. And it was a private hospital amazing facilities and I did my first year apprenticeship there they were really really good to me and in classic Alex fashion I uh, took what they'd given me and then left and threw it back at them and said I'm bored I'm bored in this hospital I'm better than this and I went and got a job in cooking at, at an Italian restaurant and then yeah fell in love with it and I did that for the next 11 years <laughs> in various iterations yeah uh, fine dining cafes I owned my own cafe for a bit. I had my own catering company. I did front of house, back of house, bartending, sommelier, every part of the restaurant industry. Absolutely love it. Can I just say, I love your courage. <laughs> when you were talking about, you know, how you've, you just took up some work and then you left it and you felt bad about it. But how I am looking at your story is that from the very beginning, you knew your strengths. As you mentioned that you took the subjects, even though you were academically really strong, but even in that aspect, you know, you knew where your strengths lie. Mm. So you selected what you wanted to, you know, work on. And that's another great learning in your life. Like if you are good into something, then you should pick that thing up and actually amplify that. And this is something that I think that has come up a lot often on the podcast, even with previous guest speakers that amplify your strengths. The second thing that I really like is that you used your network. What got you in? even though they had a bit of a trouble, but I think they found you sort of worth it. And that's why they got you in. When you said, I'm sure I have high praise for myself now. I like myself a lot more now than I did back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. when we're young, we really don't know who we are, let alone like ourselves. But yeah, what I was trying to, you know, get to is that you, and also like when you had that whole process of getting in there, 
you knew you wanted to leave it and you did take that decision which is again not very easy it's not easy to drop off something that the world thinks is the the best path because i think you knew your own path so mm. these are very amazing learnings that i think i have from listening to you right now i can just understand and for whoever is listening to us if even if you're in the same boat if you feel something is not right for you before quitting anything there are a few important questions that i think one should really ask and those would be definitely around what you really want would this be the best thing if you leave it what is the next best option and if that is really the best thing that you need it so before taking any op- i think action you really need to ask questions and this is something that i really liked in your journey so far i really like your courage i can say that again thank But, you yeah. on on that i want to expand on that because yeah. that's a really really good point so i've looking at what you just said i've quit a lot of things in my life but always for what i thought was a better option so while that's definitely you know a bit of a a pattern in a lot of entrepreneurs lives which is like grass is always greener that shiny object syndrome i've only ever quit one thing because it was too hard and i didn't want to do it anymore and that was my it was a leaflet newspaper drop when i was about 13 years old because there were i i realized how much work was involved and i was like i'm being so underpaid here this is not worth it and i quit and i and i made my dad tell the person i was quitting and i i even you know lost my nerve at the last second and made him do it that's the only thing i've quit because it was too hard everything else i've definitely bounced around a lot but what you said ask some questions if it is the right thing i've always had what I, at least what i thought was a better option for me at the time so i'm very very good with taking risk as long as i think there's an a benefit to the risk i suppose absolutely a calculative risk is the best risk that you can take sure unless you have a very strong gut feeling that this is the thing for you and i think your heart is always right so yeah. you should listen to it as well moving ahead just in your 10 years of this journey of being an amazing chef yeah sorry like i couldn't taste your food but <laughs> what has been your top favorite i mean the favorite learning out of the situation and what has been the worst situation that you had to encounter in these 10 years so one of your best and one your worst in hospitality yeah in the hospital mm-hmm. yeah 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 so the, the best thing i've said multiple multiple times is just the work ethic that you get in hospitality because while my friends were at university and had casual jobs where they maybe worked in a shop you know in at the mall for $20 an hour for 4 hours on a Saturday morning I was in that restaurant 60 hours a week from the age of 17 you know like you get there at, you know some jobs I was there 7 a.m. until 1 a.m. 5 days in a row uh getting and you don't sit down for 15 16 17 hours a day and you just work hard you work fast under pressure in a small team that was the best thing about it and so i de- i say even now even though even though i hope to have similar circumstances for my daughters that my parents had for me i am going to really push them to get their first teenage jobs in hospitality because the life skills you get to work with people to work hard to work fast to work when you're tired to be uncomfortable you know to even just burn your hand on something and then carry on working i think that's fantastic really thick skin 
The worst thing about it, which was really interesting, was that as I worked in better and better restaurants, the attitude in the kitchen got worse. And so at the lower end cafes, restaurants, and you know, in Australia, they have a rating system out of 20. In the restaurants around 14 out of 20, everyone's a team, everyone's best mates. You finish work and you might go for a beer together. Everyone helps each other out. As I moved into those 17, 18 out of 20 restaurants, some of the best in, in the country, it became almost like a competition against the people you're working with and almost as if everyone's trying to prove who's the best. And for me, that didn't work. So I didn't actually last very long in the kitchen of the really high-end restaurants because I got there and I was trying to, you know, like you said, maybe not take myself so seriously. I'd crack a joke. I was used to kind of being mates with my colleagues. And yeah, I, I was, I went from being popular to being the most kind of the least liked person in the kitchen because I didn't have the same maybe passion or the same drive or the same relentless ambition in that kitchen as everyone else. And I thought I did until I got there. And instead of lifting me up, they pushed me down. And so that was an interesting thing for me. That didn't happen in all the restaurants, all the good restaurants I worked in. I found some which were fantastic. But there's one particular restaurant. It was my dream to work there. When I went there, everyone thought they were better than everyone else. And I imagine it's a bit like that cutthroat high-end business that we see in movies and TV where everyone's got it in for each other rather than being a team, it's like proving that they're better than everyone else. And so that was really interesting, quite disappointing for me up at the high end of hospitality. Lovely. Thank you for answering that question in so much detail and giving us examples because that kind of clears out a lot of things. I like to talk about the worst situation that you were in, which was very interesting because I think you figured out what sort of environment you really like to work in. So I always say that it is it's all within you it's how you look at it look at yourself and how you build the thoughts but i also believe that it's also very important whom you're surrounded with and i think that was the case which you're mentioning and a lot of us do face that so going forward like in for listeners in your career or in your own if you have your own business it is definitely important that what you think of the business, what think, what you think about yourself, what you want. But there's also a, a little bit of external factor, which is the people that you're surrounded with, that how you grow as a team. And it is always a team work, unless it is very direct. It's, you are the only person who's responsible for everything. So <laughs> in any career that you are, it's always a teamwork. Even at home, a family, it's a teamwork. So I think having good people around is something which can really help you, you know, really go from point A to point Z. <laughs> okay. Teamwork makes the dream work. That's what we used of to course. say. One awesome. Team, one dream. Awesome. So from just from there, like when you started feeling that this is not the place for you, and then you you have your own advertising, digital advertising agency, which is doing splendidly well but i want to know your first step yeah yeah i understand it's a bit of a, a bit of a jump from being a chef to being a digital marketer and uh very long story short because this is the longest part of the story but the long the, the biggest 
you know, jump is that I let the hospitality lifestyle get on top of me. And what that, what I mean by that is I, I obviously have an addictive personality. So I started working too much, drinking, eating, smoking too much. I ballooned out in weight. I stopped sleeping very well, became very unhealthy. And then I got my friends kind of called me out on that. And so I got myself healthy again and had a tremendous weight loss and fitness journey. And that led me to actually start making healthy cooking videos and healthy nutrition videos and stuff on, on social media whilst I was still in hospitality. Then through doing that, I actually found a business, like a business coach who helped me to start a coaching business in the nutrition and cooking and healthy eating weight loss space. And I did that for like six years. And through that, I learned how to do all the marketing, all the, all the funnels, ads, make content, how to deliver a program, how to, how to sell. Every skill you need in the coaching business, I learned that. And so I was actually first, before I was a marketer, I was just marketing my own coaching business. And I was actually working in hospitality up until May 2020. Oh, you know? wow. Yeah, I, ne I never quit because I didn't like it. I quit because it's not conducive with having a family of four. You know, it doesn't really work. But my, my wife was, my girlfriend, then fiance, then wife was so patient the whole way through. We were used to those hours. When the girls came along, I decided no more. But um, I was simultaneously cooking and working in restaurants and cafes and health coaching all at once for about six years. Became really good at the marketing side of it, the social media side, the creative side. When I found out we were not having one but two babies, <laughs> I was like, okay. I'm not sure if I can keep going with what I'm doing. I'm, I don't think I can keep doing the working with gyms and cooking demos and late night webinars and sales calls. I need to work on my laptop 100%. And by chance, I was already doing marketing just for a friend of mine who had great sales skills, lots of money, no time, and said, do you want to do my ads for me? So I was like, yeah, I can do that. When the babies came along, I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do marketing you know, just for a couple months, you know, while the babies are little and while we're not sleeping, while we're staying at home, this is also during a lockdown. So the kind of fitness space was shut down as well. So I started this mini marketing company making websites and chatbots and, you know, $200 jobs, that sort of thing, just to get by just for a, um, a means to an end, really. <laughs> just uh, so I could work on my laptop at three in the morning when I had a baby on either side of me sleeping on the couch and my wife was in bed. What happened then at Shiny was that it just worked. <laughs> and um, I kept getting clients. I kept getting, I kept getting sales. I kept getting referrals. And it was so much easier than my coaching business had ever been. And so when I started, I was marketing to anyone and everyone who would have me. But I realized that 90% of my network was in the coaching space. Most of them came through the same programs and seminars and coaches that I did, but most of them looking at them had terrible marketing. So I just started to say, okay, I'll do yours. I'll do yours. And by accident, I was marketing all for coaches. So when I rebranded uh, about 18 months ago, I said to the moon digital for coaches and consultants. And the rest is really history. So my first step coming back to your original question and the name of the podcast was actually starting a business just to get by for the initial three-month period where I knew I would not be able to sleep or leave the house. Yeah, that's actually so exciting, your story over there, because it 
really reinforces and underpins the fact that you always start small and you always have to take a step one by one. Definitely you can have a long-term plan, but what really works for you at the beginning is just taking a small step because everything is so daunting at the beginning. And as you mentioned, that things started to, you know, work in a flow for you, but it took its own time. You did not just, you know, start a business overnight and you did not really think about the branding, the, the positioning, your USP overnight. It happened. First, you made yourself like you wanted to be in, I don't know if you wanted to, but you actually worked on a specific you know, a part of the marketing. It was more about digital marketing. And then you gained experience in all the different areas of digital marketing. You became an expert and that's when you started going forward and then thinking beyond the skills that, because once you have a very good hold on the skills, the second thing is like how you expand it. How do you brand yourself? And I think things fell very well in your space, but definitely you work so hard for it. So I think, Alex, this has been such an amazing conversation from you being a, a richy rich child to someone who now owns his own richy rich business. <laughs> and yeah. Business just yet. But I will say, out of. I hope know, so for you. Yeah. Elaborating on what you just said, I, I know you're wrapping it up, so I won't go for too long. But, um, you said this hasn't happened overnight. This last 18 months, two years has been the first time since I've been like 20, 23, 22. I think I started my first business at 22. This is the first time I've been able to live solely on my business income. And now I'm able to support a family of four and live very comfortably off it. But it took about eight, you know, eight or nine years to get to this point, you know? So, um, people give up very quickly and um, I was very lucky to not give up on it because I physically couldn't just follow. I can't listen and do what I'm told. And so I physically just kept going. And I was very blessed that I had a good family around me and everything, but yeah, no, it didn't happen overnight. That's for sure. I think my takeaway from today's episode would be to be courageous and courage comes from listening to yourself be it whoever is, you know, turning you down from what you want to do. Second, understand your sense and amplify it. And third, it always takes a lot of time. You need to be patient if it is important for you. And I think you will be if it is important for you. So before we say bye to Alex today, Alex, are you able to leave our listeners with a quote that you really like or a saying? And also, if you would like to recommend a book for our listeners today. Amazing. I heard a quote today just in a comment on someone else's Instagram post and I'll try and remember it because I remember seeing it and thinking, whoa, that's massive. And it was most people fail because they give up what they really want for what they want now, which I thought was awesome because if I had done that, what I wanted now many, many times, it was basically a, a living, <laughs> which I didn't have for many, many years, which is why I had to work in cafes and wash dishes and make coffee and all sorts of stuff while starting my business. What I really wanted was to have the, the freedom to spend time with my family like my dad did once he sold his business 
and retired at the age 40, you know? So I think that's huge for me is uh, pe people, um, people give up too soon because they really, really, they go for short-term pleasure, you know, short-term benefit, you know? And life's very difficult sometimes and pain will get you. So I think that's, that's great. As it comes to books, I'm a terrible coach because I do not read books. I listen to books. And one that worked really well for me, which was a, a business book, which helped me get through hard times in business, was actually called Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog. And it's by Phil Knight, who's the guy who formed uh, Nike. And uh, so Nike, we, everyone knows Nike. But the funny thing about him was that he was still an accountant working for someone else like six years into Nike when they were doing millions of dollars of sales per year because he kept reinvesting everything into scaling the company and making it bigger and bigger. And he was not in it to get rich. He was in it to just impact the world. And the stuff that man has been through in business make you just realize that your problems are minuscule compared to what they could be. Like he got a bill one day for like $140 million or something, you know, in tax that he's forgotten to pay. And he's still here, you know? So um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight is my, uh, my go-to book when I'm feeling a little bit down in my business. Lovely. So that was some interesting book recommendation and an amazing quote by Alex today. And we end on such a high note. I'm so happy that Alex could join us today and he could share his story because every story is worth listening to and learning from. Hi, my friends. If you have reached thus far today, firstly, thank you so much. It really means that you have learned something out of today's episode and you have enjoyed. So why don't you share it with me and let me know that what is that you have learned and what would you like to listen more in the upcoming episodes. I love to build a relationship with my viewers and audiences and know what really is that helping them. So you can follow me on my Instagram handle which is at my first step ever underscore in. And subscribe to my YouTube channel for weekly video updates. And yes, if you like what I do over here, follow my first step ever on Google, Apple or Spotify. And please drop your rating to my show and comment. Well, this can be a way you can help me achieve my dreams to reach out to millions who need to hear this as I help you in your journey in taking the first step ever. Until next time, start believing in yourself. And most importantly, keep believing in yourself.